I'm going to ask Carol to come up front to pray for some key people. And uh, so Carol's definitely one of my favorite prayer power type people. So, <laughs> and uh, two of our key people here, Annette and Sherry. I've known Sherry for many, many years. She's absolutely indestructible. So, but anyway, I'm going to ask Renee to come up to share about her mom. Because she'll do a better job than I will. She's received text and I have not. Um, so my mother's out of town with my brother and three grandchildren, his kids. But they uh, left Saturday and she texted me later on that evening that... Um, did like this escape maze thing and she thought she got bit her ankle was swollen up and so I got a text this morning one from her saying that she couldn't walk they were going to get a cane and if you know my mother you know my mother she she's not happy about having to get a cane because she says she can't walk and I'm uh, happy about being able to walk so <laughs> so she um asked for prayer about her ankle and my brother asked for prayer about his sanity <laughs> being with them all um but she's not sure. There's no bite mark, so she thought she got bit, but um, there's no telling she could have twisted or whatever. So if you could just keep her ankle in prayer and lift it up um, so that she will regain her ability to walk appropriately. And uh, all of us that know Sherry know that that's not going to keep her down. That's not going to keep her down. And then a praise report on Annette, and I almost... Um, Jamie, when you called the people up to walk through, after they were done, I thought, I should have gone up and walked through for Annette. <laughs> because Annette's just had surgery. I believe it's her second one. Is it just the second one? Um, for cancer. And they seem to think they've got it all. Uh, she's out of the hospital. She's in rehab. She's in a rehab center in Conway, behind the Conway Hospital. Don't know how long she'll be there. Depends on how good her therapy goes. But she called me the other day, which I thought, whoa. She was still in the hospital, but supposed to be released that day. And she called to let me know how things were going. And if I just had surgery like that, of course, I've just had surgery, but it's not like hers. Yeah, it's in the hospital where Jamie worked, and I, she couldn't even come in to see me. I was gone before she could get there. Um, but Annette's another one of those. It's nothing's going to keep her down. And so we want to lift both of those up today in prayer and just thank God for their healing. So God, we just come to you today and we say you are a good daddy. You are a good God. And we thank you for that. And Lord, we know both Sherry and Annette, and they're your children. And we know their personalities that you've given them, and nothing stops them. And so we speak healing into Sherry's ankle. Swelling, go down in Jesus' name. Swelling is gone. Swelling is gone. Don't know what caused it, but swelling is gone. 
in the mighty name of Jesus. And we thank you for that. We thank you that Sherry is up and walking. Up and walking. Up and walking. And thank you for the healing that's taking place and has already taken place in Annette's body. Ha. Yes. Yes. We thank you for the therapist that you have appointed already for Annette. We thank you for for the spirit, your spirit that's in Annette. That as she's there at, at rehab. Whoa. Yeah. As she's at rehab, all of the people that come in contact with her will experience you, God experience you just by walking into her room just by walking into her room they will have an encounter with you and we thank you for that we thank you for that we thank you for the miracle thank you for the miracle of Annette thank you for the miracle of Sherry yes and all the other miracles in this room thank you thank you thank you thank you in the mighty mighty name of Jesus amen so I was thinking what does the Bible say healing is the children's bread by his stripes we are healed we stand in our redemption rights praise the Lord anyway I'm gonna pass the basket you guys and you know it's interesting because Pastor Mark has kind of been highlighting tithing I've been trying to spend a little bit of time studying on it and it really is an interesting subject you know and they're tither rights in other words because I'm a tither I have certain privileges you could almost say well you say well I have those because I'm a child of God I understand that but at the same point as you're faithful to tithe God just can't help but bless that so I'm thinking about you know the Bible talks about that the tithe is holy to the Lord if you're like me through the years you know, I now give through the app on the phone, but years I, you know, gone by, I would do checks and, you know, you maybe even didn't think about it. You just kind of put it in the basket and didn't give it much thought, you know. But I guess I'd like to encourage all of us today, and myself included, you know, to realize that it really is holy to the Lord. You know, in the Old Testament, they would go through a real, um, just giving the tithe, placing it, so to speak, in the hands of the priest. And, of course, we do that with Jesus as our high priest, you know. So I'm going to pass the basket, you guys. And then we've got a special treat. Somebody say special treat. And so I have known um, Andre and his family. Now, I didn't know all of his family until just the last few years, but I've certainly known Andre for many years, probably 30 some odd years. Not that he's that old, but I'm definitely a little bit older, you know. So. And I know his father, I suppose, even better. I know his father real well. His father's my age. And uh, so his father lives in the country of Belarus. And I think most of us are a little more familiar with that due to all the unfortunate circumstances surrounding that part of the world. But that's an area where I had worked in in the 1990s. And his father is a pastor there. And I spoke in his father's church a number of times. And then his father's come over here. And I've brought him to churches in our area, particularly, you know, 10 years back or so. 
but he's been here numerous times. And so I'm really very, uh, in a lot of ways, close to their family. And we talked with his father yesterday via maybe it was Skype or something. or And it was really excellent. I was really impressed. I mean, the connection was very good. The video quality was very good. And I can speak some Russian, but it was so much better having Andre, who's very fluent in English, of course, uh, in English, of course, as, as well in Russian. And uh, so I think we talked close to an hour. It was really, really, really great to share. But Andre is spending some time with us at our house with um, his wonderful daughter, Tessa, and his son, Alex. And then he has another son at home, um, Andy and his wife, Tammy or Tamila, and they are precious, precious family. And I mean, I knew Andre, you know, back when he got baptized, but he actually was the one who led his family to the Lord. And this was not far out of the old Soviet days. And he went to Bible school then in England and met his wife. And then he's been in the ministry, I suppose, all these years, you know, and they are very responsible for, for sending a lot of funds into the Ukraine. Uh, his wife was from the Ukraine. I believe you guys lived in the Ukraine for a while. The children were born in the Ukraine. So they've got a lot of Ukrainian roots as well as Belarusian roots, and they know that part of the world very well. And so he's here, so of course I asked him to share. So he's going to share some, then I'm probably going to give us just a short little pep talk in evangelism. Not because <laughs> you guys need it, but probably because I need it. <laughs> but anyway, without having said all that, please, Andre, come on up. Good morning, church. It's a great joy and honor to be back with you. Oh, we missed. We missed traveling. We missed just going places and seeing you, especially for me as a missionary, 20 years in Ukraine. And after 20 years in Ukraine, our leadership in London, Ontario, felt like it was time for them to step down. You know, there will be time when you will have to step down. God never intended for us to be in charge of everything in our lives forever. No, we are here to make disciples. And as a missionary, that's what we do. And it excites me to tell you that we've seen so many churches built and so many new leaders born through our ministry in Ukraine in the past 26 years. What was one church, a small church in Kiev city back in 1991, after just the fall of the communism, today is grown into a large network of 220 churches before the war in February. Now the numbers have been adjusted. 14 of our pastors could no longer remain in their territory, so they had to leave even the country because some of them had Russian citizenship. So now that the war is at our door, it really changed a lot of things for people over there and also for us. So six years ago, our leadership in Canada decides it's time for them to step down. So they brought us to Canada. So for all those 20 years in Ukraine, I was working for Canadian ministry. But now we live in Canada and continue to serve Ukraine and Belarus, but from, you, from London, Ontario. So now I get to raise funds before I get to send them over and support projects. Before I was on the receiving end, looking after administration, mission teams, now there is more burden, there is more travel involved, and the last two years have been tough. We couldn't travel much. Uh, you know, with pandemic, uh, I got COVID on one of my trips, of course. That's how it happened. But I can tell you that we've seen God move in so many special ways during pandemic as well. 
churches over there, of course, did not close as much as we did in Canada. Our churches were shut for one year, solid. They could not afford to shut down their churches. They could not give online. There is no such thing. Most churches don't even have online uh, abilities to run services. So what they did instead to follow the health protocols, they met in smaller groups. So some churches, instead of having, like us today, one service, they had seven shorter services, but for 10 people only, kind of. So they really, really uh, remember, a lot of them remember the old days when the persecution was there, when they still met underground. That's how my grandma met. That's how I got saved, and that's how my parents came to Christ. But they could not see missing the opportunity of meeting with believers and sharing what God is doing and praying. So this year for us has been a special year of prayer. Although I can tell you we've seen such an amazing generosity. And the funds came from different sources. And so we've been able to do even more financially for Ukraine. But in some ways, not directly, but indirectly. What I mean by that, now we have partners in Poland. And I'll be going to Poland in October instead of Ukraine. From Poland, I'll be making trip into Ukraine. Yet right now, you cannot just travel to Ukraine direct. So uh, with all of that, when on February 24th, the war broke out in our eastern provinces, and at that time, Russian forces came even to Kiev city. Long before that, for about two weeks, the intelligence from the US, British intelligence, were telling our country and our government that the Russians are at your door, they're going to attack. But with all honesty, I can tell you, no one believed that. Even our government, people in our country, we could not see it coming. We share a long history. We do not separate ourselves from Russia. In our mind, we are, a lot of us are intermarried. Like, I'm from Belarus. My wife is Ukrainian. I lived in Ukraine half of my life, half in Belarus. Now you know how old I am. And so my children were born in Ukraine, but they also carry Belarus passports because I'm Belarusian. So we are one nation. When you look at us, we are not any different. But now everything has changed. Unfortunately, there is such a big divide between our nations. And uh, what's happening? You know, the government is trying to fix it and their power by sending more ammo to Ukraine, sending more money. But we as Christians increase in prayer yeah. because this is how we interfere. This is our part of the battle. Some of our pastors who had previous uh, military training are now in the battlefield as chaplains as medics and as like uh, drivers because they felt it was their time to, and that's how they could best serve the army at this time three of our pastors actually are doing that as i told you 14 are now new missionaries in europe we were praying saying god now that ukraine has been always a basket like a bread basket for europe our grain our sunflowers like number one producers and our rich soil is so pro productive like you don't need fertilizers there it's deep it's rich everything goes two harvests a year and now our stores are empty now Poland is supplying food for us 
so many people have lost their loved ones. So many children as orphans have been sent to Poland. Over five million people just in Poland alone. So yes, our work now is done through Poland. Water filters, food, medical supplies. And now talking to our pastors who are in Ukraine, one of the needs that they mentioned to me, because we keep in touch like almost every day, bicycles. They, and uh, you know, like even in the war, people don't lose sense of humor. You know, they say, Andre, now we feel like European people. We are like the Netherlands, like Dutch, because they ride bikes all the time, right? It's healthier, it's better. The reason is because our gasoline is not available, or you can only get four gallons a day if you're lucky, if you spend five, six hours waiting at the pump. That's how short, the, first of all, it's unavailable and it's limited. So they say now another thing. We are now considering the fall and winter because their winters are cold. We need generators because our gas comes from Russia. And if it stops coming, how can we heat our churches? How can we heat our buildings? But we want to have a generator for the church so people can come and stay and be safe. During the war, most of our churches have turned into like shelters. A lot of people came from the east and south onto the west through Kiev city. And that's where we had like a refugee station where people came for three days and then from there they went. There is an interesting ministry we're also doing now in Russia. See, when Mariupol, I don't know if you know this information, when Mariupol city was siege and it was completely leveled, we're talking about the biggest uh, uh, steel works, like Azov plant. 400,000 people lived there. Some managed to escape before Russia uh, kind of circled it. But those Ukrainians who remained in the city were only granted a passage out into Russia. So now they're in Taganrog in Russia, waiting to be sent north Siberia to resettle in the new areas. They have no means, no documents to get back to their country. It's impossible to get from Russia into Ukraine right now because of the war. So we have a family from Belarus who runs a trucking company. They bought a big bus and they drive, it's almost 1,500 kilometers, it's like 1,200 miles from Minsk to Taganrog. And they fill the bus with people and they take them to Belarus. From there, they are sent off to Poland and from Poland they can come back to their homeland, Ukraine, and reunite with their families. So many things are going on and we just need to continue to pray that the Lord will give strength to our pastors to continue their ministry. One of the pastors told me, Andre, we planted three churches in the last five years in our communities. When Russians were approaching, those communities that had churches survived. Communities without churches were completely destroyed. People raped, uh, women raped. It's just like such an awful atrocities that were committed. But he says, but those communities with churches miraculously survived. It's almost like the Lord kept them and protected them, and we believe in that. 28 years ago, when Pastor Ron, the founder of our ministry, was in 
Odessa region, south of Ukraine. He came during the communism time. It was just the beginning of revival. He preached the gospel in Mayaki community. It's a lighthouse, the name of the community. The whole community came to the meeting. And they met outside. And the meeting went into the evening. And he prayed. And people came for healing. And he was just a young preacher from Canada. Never held any crusades in his life. He was preaching. Saying like, Lord, wow, you're using me like this. Yes, the Lord opened that country for him. He went back home, he told his church, now I am a missionary, I have a calling, my place is there. And for the next 20-something years, he committed himself to my country, Russia. We traveled with Pastor Ron to Uzbekistan, Kazakhstan, all those Central Asian countries, and we had Bible colleges there. And then later our ministry just kind of stayed around Ukraine and Belarus, those two main countries. So, Mayaki, two weeks ago, overnight, 65 houses are gone. Yes. When missile attacks come, you know, those bombs, they blow up everything. So 65 houses in that small community that had received the Lord 28 years ago have been completely wiped. And I have a video of the guy standing on the rubble, what's left of his house. He's kind of clearing it and he's saying, this is the room where my mom, my sister, and my niece usually that's their bedroom. They were working on their personal uh, bedroom, uh, renovating. And on that night, because they just finished renovation, they decided to stay with their friends in another town. My mom felt like she had to leave the house at night and go into the small barn in the backyard. And that's how she survived. None of the people out of those 65 houses were killed. No death only destruction and so the person who is taking the video is trying to comfort them saying like but but you know what it was the lord who saved you you know that you you have to be thankful and this guy is telling him of course i know i am a christian i know it's only god be, be, we are alive only because of god there's no other explanation this house is gone it's no problem we'll, we'll rebuild it it's only a house he is faithful to us. The lady across the street with three kids says, We are alive. Praise God. My children are saved. But lady, didn't you just lose everything and there is no insurance? You've lost all you have. How can you be so happy? Because I have Jesus. And nobody, and nothing can take that away from you once you have Him as your Lord and Savior. Yes. It's incredible to see how God is using those seeds of the gospel that were planted by missionaries long time ago. When Robert came to my country, he preached at my dad's church. Next Sunday, they will be celebrating their 30th anniversary. They are standing there today because of people like Robert. Because of those missionaries who came and gave their life. And it's all because of our Lord Jesus Christ that we can stand today and we can continue to give our lives. Yes, it's impossible by ourselves. That's why we have supporters like you who pray for us and who support and who make our ministry possible. And yes, we may live to see the results of our ministry here or may not. It doesn't matter. The Lord is faithful. I also have a couple pictures that I, I'm sorry, Robert, I'm taking your time today. I, I just, you know, it's dangerous to give a microphone to preacher's son because he likes to preach too for 20 years i was in ukraine as i told you as an interpreter mostly right because pastor ron and other missionaries came and i was with them and now for the six years i'm here by myself 
I'm wearing a different hat, and I can tell you it's an honor and it's a great privilege to serve. So I am trying to do something here for the first time. Okay, okay, we're good, we're good. We just gotta get to my album. Here we are. Here are pastors who have changed their cars for bikes. Those bicycles now they have because they're going to minister in villages, right? And to do that, they need some means of transportation. So bicycle is a healthy and affordable way. Now here we are. For the last couple of years, we've been supporting our pastors with greenhouses. We call it Agro Project. Agro Project is a very important thing to make, to make communities self-sustaining and feeding. So last winter, they fed 60 families from the greenhouses we built previously. This is a new one that they got this year. What do churches normally do? After Sunday service, they feed community by putting food that we send money. They buy pro product like flour, uh, rice, sugar, what they can get. Some stuff is brought from Poland and put it in the food packets. Here you can see some oil, cooking oil, always needed, and then grains so they can make some meals. And then the young people from the church take it to different communities. On average, from 100 to 200 people receive uh, food for a week. And then the pastor will do a service, open-air service, where they preach the gospel, pray for people. And some communities they go to have been partially destroyed. You can see the signs of the war. But everybody, young and old, are coming to get help. And through that, we are able to give them the bread of life. Yeah. We are able to present them Jesus and they accept him and they follow him. For the children, there is always a problem. What they do there is quite incredible. They have a bouncy castle and they bring it up, they set it up and all kids can enjoy it for free. It's really incredible. That was Pastor Sergey. He graduated Bible college and with his wife Olga, he said, Lord, send me. I wish there were more like him. I know some people like him. So they get on a train. I mean, like, really? Yes. And they just praying. And the Lord tells them, now it's time to get off here. They get off at Starobelsk. It's uh, eastern Ukraine. They have nobody there, no family. And for 20 years, they plant a church. They minister, plant churches in the area. This year, uh, right now, his uh, Lugansk Oblast, where his church was, is under Russia. His church has been uh, taken over by the new authorities. His apartment in the next community burned down. He's now in western Ukraine with his family, with his three children, and the fourth, uh, fourth daughter is married now. Here is the picture of his new church. They are meeting in a barn. On the way from Lugansk to western Ukraine, they stopped in Kiev at a hospice. 23 people. They didn't just continue on, journey, on their journey. They took those 23 people and evacuated them with them. So now he's got 23 seniors. Some have uh, serious uh, health issues and they are in this place. Wow. Building 
a new church community. They have a building provided for them, but all of their electrical appliances, like washing machines, dryers, freezers, and fridges, cannot be operated because they do not have power, uh, what they call, it's like a power stabilizer. It's, it's a unit which produces the stable power because power there kind of jumps up and down and then it fries your equipment. So they are in need of that. And so here he is, Pastor Sergei, with his church equipment in the building. is not winterized, just a tin roof, but he is there by faith, praising the Lord and serving people. He is from Eastern Ukraine, Russian speak. He is a Russian speak. He is now in the Western Ukraine, where they speak only Ukrainian. And so it's, uh, it's a kind of cultural shock. For God, when you get on that train, when you come to Him, and when you commit yourself, you know, that's the greatest thing that could ever happen. Because even in the middle of the war, He has a place, and He has a ministry, and He has a joy, and He has partners for you, and there are people who are praying. So in conclusion, I would like now to do something uh, different. I don't usually do that. We have something for you. I know you've already received a lot. But we have something for each one of you to take home and remember this day. And remember our country, Ukraine. I'd like to ask my son and daughter now to give each one of you for your household, per household, let's say, because I don't think we have enough Ukrainian flags. And I would like us to pray for the peace for Ukraine, for the salvation for our government, for the churches to continue to grow and for the children of God to be strong. And uh, I would like to ask Robert to lead the prayer, please, for Ukraine. I would like each one of you maybe lift your flag. Just let's present. Let's take Ukraine to God. Those people, those dear people, because there are still remaining a lot of people who don't know the Lord. And we want them to be saved. Father, we love you, dear Lord. I... <sighs> Father, I've got to believe in this whole situation that you've got your hand in it. Yes. So many people praying, so many people believing, dear Lord, Father. Something good is going to come out of this situation in Jesus' name. There's a very well-known uh, end times prophecy by Hudson Taylor that was given at the end of the 1800s, and it it talks about that in the very end times it would become a great revival out of the whole what we would call former Soviet yeah. Union area. I don't know if this is part of it, but it could well be. I know that it looks so dark at night, but I've got to believe that joy comes in the morning. And I personally know that these are people of great faith, dear Lord, and people that love you, dear Father. I've got to believe that the cries of their heart are being heard, dear Father. We proclaim right now the victory of the Lord Jesus Christ in the Ukraine. We proclaim the victory of Jesus in Belarus, and we proclaim the victory of the gospel in Russia, that evil will not triumph, praise the Lord, that whatever the devil has in mind in this whole event, his day is done. 
he is being shown for who and for what he is. And that God's people will triumph. And I believe today that there's going to be, it's going to be astounding. The news media won't know how to report it. Because God's going to get the victory. He's going to get all the glory, dear Father. And I'm just somehow believing this is all part of your end time harvest revival plan. And that the people of God and the people of the Ukraine will overcome in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So, we're going to stick around. If you guys like me, you probably got a hundred questions, you know, about the Ukrainian thing. So we'll stick around for a few minutes after the service. And I'm just going to share a very little amount. But um, we did a outreach over the weekend. And I was part of a team that um, went into Myrtle Beach and uh, down to the boulevard area. And, uh, you know, it's always interesting going down there. I, I, I try and stay away from that area. <laughs> When you live here, you know, who wants to put up with the traffic? If I go to the beach, we go to one of the state parks. We don't generally go down to the, the boulevard, which it was very nice on the boardwalk, I will say that. But I think what struck me, we were down there handing out tracts and just talking to people about Jesus, maybe a group of 10 people. But I think what struck me was all the people there. And I'm sure some of them may be believers. I'm not saying, oh, they're all just, you know, not believers. But... At the same point, what struck me was the the multitude of the world. And you know, in a church like this, we all love the Lord. And we're so grateful to be here. I know when Andre, because they were here, was it three years ago? And so we were meeting in a restaurant then. And it was it was nice that we were able to meet there, but this is so much better. Just this little building, you know, it's just so nice to come in here. We experience the presence of the Lord and but when I was out there on Friday night and we were just roaming around, we kind of split up in different groups and or by ourselves and just talking to people, handing out tracts, this kind of thing, I was struck by the vastness of humanity. Remember what Jesus said. He talked about a wide road and so many people on that road. And then he talked about a narrow road. We obviously know the wide road represented a road to hell itself a road to damnation and that the narrow path was simply a path to life praise God and I dare say I suspect that many on the wide road think they know where they're going they think this all this well I mean I've now been saved 40 some odd years but before I got saved you know I thought well I'm not such a bad guy you know I hadn't killed anybody yet I hadn't robbed any banks you know this is kind of the way I thought at the time and you know, I'm sure there are many like that. They think, well, you know, I'm a good person, this kind of thing. Another thing that struck me over the weekend, that was one of them, was when I talked to Andre's father, who, like I said, I know, but we were able to talk very plainly because we had an excellent interpreter, Andre. And, of course, he's more in the fire over there than I am. He's not in the Ukraine. Belarus is better, but it's far from perfect. It doesn't have near the liberty and freedom that we have here in the United States. And I think another thing that struck me by talking to him was how short the time is. His father, through the years, had told me just at various times, you know, just kind of come up. He said that, you know, even though there's obviously was much more freedom in his land than there was during the old communist days, he said that he believed a day of great darkness was coming. It was kind of funny when he would say that to me because 
I'm kind of a product of the faith movement, and, you know, I love Kenneth Hagin and all these guys, and, uh, you know, so I kind of rebuke that sort of in my mind. I'm listening to him. I'm, I'm nodding my head, but at the same time, I'm like, well, you know, praise God, you know, everything's still going to be great, going to be perfect, and uh, nonetheless, he would tell me, there's a day of great darkness coming. I'll add to that a little bit. You know, you guys know I've gone to the jailhouses around here for 25 years, and the chaplain at the jail up here in, uh, in uh, J. Ruben Loans, he's really a great guy, super guy. He's actually a Baptist pastor and loves the Lord. He told me a number of years ago, he said, you know, there's going to come a time we can't go in here, you know, and share and minister the Lord. Well, I kind of thought, come on. Now, it's, it's been all the years prior. It's been so easy to go in there. And, you know, I mean, I spent countless hours there. And I just thought, well, okay, Eddie. (laughs) David knows Eddie. Eddie's a great guy, without a doubt. Loves the Lord. Super at his job. But I thought, okay, Eddie, you know, I heard what he said. And then, lo and behold, COVID came. I hadn't been in there for two years plus, you know. And, um, you know, you don't think that way. I'm telling you, we need to be prepared. There's a multitude of people out there. Jesus said we must work while it's still day. Night will come when no man can work. I'm going to say some hard things in the last couple of minutes I got. Can I get an amen? You know, as I was kind of thinking about what I might say this morning after Andre spoke, this thought crossed my mind. I, I read the scripture, and I know we all know it. Jesus said, but you shall receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria, and to the uttermost parts of the earth. Now, I'll add something in there real quick that I learned recently, and then hopefully can tie it up a little bit. The word witness comes from a Greek word that, from my understanding, the literal meaning of that word is martyr. And if you've ever gone out and tried to witness for Jesus, you can feel a little like a martyr, right? I don't know what to say to these people. And I think the hard part that I want to throw into this mix is so many of us, myself sometime included, even though we know the days are short. I'm telling you, Jesus is coming back soon. And he's coming back for a glorious church, one that has walked through some things. Like the old saying goes, you'll never have a testimony until you have attest. I can't attest to the healing power of God the way that Tina can because she's walked through some things that I may not have walked through, praise God. And so the point I'd like to make is this. I think oftentimes that we say, well, you know, I can't really witness. I feel uncomfortable. I get it. I feel the same way a lot of times. And I've been kind of a big mouth for the Lord through the years. But, I mean, I suppose every day, particularly at work, I just have numerous opportunities. Sometimes I take advantage of it. Sometimes I don't. I'm not talking about trying to nail somebody to the wall and force a confession out of them. I'm just talking to just somehow bring up Jesus. Just tell people where you stand. Praise God. That you serve a big God. Amen. I think, you guys, I think that it is not correct. It is scripturally incorrect. I think that we know in our hearts that we can truly not say, oh, well, I'm really not called or I'm not able to do that. 
because you know if you serve the Lord for any amount of time in your life, God always calls you to do what you can't do. Carol, I'm sure, can attest that. She was a missionary herself for many, many years. God, whatever He does, He always calls you into something that's over your head to do. How many times have we all just felt led to do something and when we were obedient, maybe we had no idea what we were supposed to say or exactly what to do. And then all of a sudden, seemingly at the last moment, we knew what to say. And my point in all this is, is that truly the time is short. Jesus is coming back soon. When we went out to witness the other night, Kel was with us. What's Kel's last name? Reiner, I thought it was. Yeah. Steiner. I said Reiner. Jamie would probably say something about my ability to hear right now. (laughs) But I was close, praise the Lord. (laughs) You had to call me down three times earlier. But you got me on the third, praise the Lord. (laughs) Kel's a great man of God. He's one of those also, like Carol's been a missionary for many, many, many years. He was out in this witnessing team. And Kel said something to me about the time we got going, which kind of shocked Noah's a little bit later into the evening. But anyway, he said to me something that was surprising to me. Uh, Kel's maybe in his 70s, been a believer for many years, and he's going to Columbia again, I guess, in the next week or two, and was just there. And uh, anyway... I don't mean Columbia, South Carolina. I mean Columbia, Columbia. All right. And uh, Kel said to me, he said, you know, in the recent last few weeks, I think, he meant, I've just been going over uh, scriptures that tell me to go into all the world and preach the gospel. And I'm like thinking, you know, Kel, you've been going to all the world and preach your gospel all your life, you know. But he, I could relate to what he was saying because sometimes all this seems so far away. And we lose track of the verses that Jesus said where he told us to compel them to come in. We lose track of where the Bible tells us to contend for the faith. Many of us are uneasy with saying anything that might be offending to anybody. The gospel is offending. I'm not telling you to purposely go out and offend people, but I'm just telling you the name of Jesus can be offensive, praise the Lord. But I'm telling you, in Jesus' name, I firmly believe that we are the end-time church. If you look at everything going on in the world, it's one thing after another, and it seems to be moving faster and faster and faster. I'm just going to say that one scripture again. We'll pray. We're going we're gonna to close. Afterwards, if anybody has anything, please, any questions for Andre, by all means, come up, you know, ask, because it's interesting. But Jesus said, we must work while it's still day. Night will come when no man can work. Each person innately knows in their heart whatever that work is to be. I say it's a work of the moment. I don't know what the rest of the day may lead. What happened might happen for the rest of the day, but I may walk out of this place and all of a sudden there's somebody in front of me that simply needs prayer. All of a sudden there's somebody in, in front of me that simply needs to hear the name of Jesus. And I just say for all of us, myself included, Lord, give us a boldness. I'm going to pray. Father, give us boldness to speak forth as we ought, dear Lord. Help us to be mindful. Help us to be aware of the end time calling 
of God, dear Father. Help us to realize and recognize your hand in the earth, dear Father. And help us as a group of people, as a body, that we will determine to have a strong stand for you, dear Lord. And that we'll pray for, that we will pray and will support those that are in the fire, Father. And we're believing for the quick return of the Lord Jesus Christ. And we say, was it like Isaiah said so many years ago, like Andre said, said, Lord, use us. Lord, send us. Would you guys say this, please? Say, Father God, take my life. Use my life. Let your will be done with my life. Not my will, but God's be done. In Jesus' name.